today's episode of Finding Your Niche, I share a conversation with James Carberry, the founder of Sweetfish Media, a podcast agency based out of Central Florida. James and his team founded Sweetfish back in 2015 and transitioned a few times before becoming a podcast agency, focusing on helping B2B brands, especially with SaaS products, connect with their customers through content-based networking, a theory that he and his team developed over the last few years. James is one of the main reasons I started my podcast, and it was my absolute pleasure to have him on the show today. I hope you enjoy. James, we're going live. Um, I'm, I'm super excited to have you on today. You are one of the primary reasons why I actually started this podcast. So Love hearing that. To give people a little bit of context, gosh, it was probably four or five months ago. It was in the heat of COVID. Wait, maybe, yeah, it was in the heat of COVID. Um, it was probably April, May-ish. Yep. Randomly reached out to you on LinkedIn. You responded, set a 15-minute phone call. And I was inspired. (laughs) I was like, I was thinking about doing like a podcast maybe and, and, and doing a few different things. Um, and I talked to you, I was like, this is what I've got to do. And and so I've been going after it for the last few months here, but James, I want to give you the opportunity to introduce who you are, um, and, and share what you're up to at Sweetfish. Yeah. So, uh, Jake, uh, thanks for reaching out a few months ago, man. It, it was, it's super in, inspiring to me, uh, to hear guys like yourself that are hungry and passionate and, and, and just go getters. Um, so, uh, so it was, it was, it's been fun just kind of seeing you from afar, uh, since that first conversation, but, uh, yeah, I started Sweetfish about, uh, almost a half decade ago. Um, back in 2016. So we're coming up on five years and uh, lots of pivots. We started as a blog writing agency uh, and then realized kind of the power of what we now call content-based networking. Uh, so we pivoted the business at the end of 2016 or at the end of 2015, beginning of 2016, became a podcast agency. So we started working specifically with with B2B brands producing shows for them. And now we're in the midst of becoming a media company ourselves. So we've got shows like B2B growth and crafting culture and manufacturing show, uh, building really a network of, uh, of podcast first media properties in the B2B space. Uh, so really excited uh, about the growth that we've seen 25 employees uh, across the across the country we've got a, a fully remote team um, I should say across the world I guess we've got we've got some people in different parts of the world so uh, yeah it's been it's been a really fun ride um, and uh, super pumped for this conversation to dig into some of it right on and you guys are doing some incredible work um, before we dive into, a few questions I have about that. I'd love to hear a little bit more about what drove you to start Sweetfish. Like, had you always been interested in starting your own business and, and where did the idea come from? Yeah. So I'm not actually the, the common entrepreneurial story. I didn't, I wasn't, you know, like Gary V growing up selling baseball cards or lemonade in my street. Uh, that, that just wasn't for whatever reason, wasn't, wasn't my journey and wasn't what, you know, wasn't the path that God kind of took me on to get to, to entrepreneurship. But what was is, you know, I want to, I was a part of a sweepstakes. Um, one of those ones you see on TV, where uh, you know you and nine friends can go to a professional football game of your choice on a private jet and yada yada yada, 
And my roommate's brother-in-law actually won that sweepstakes. And so uh, I ended up meeting a guy that was doing the logistics for the transportation on that trip, making sure we got from point A to point B once we got to New York City. And, uh, and turns out that guy was the CEO of a global logistics company. And so we swapped information. I didn't think anything would happen at the end of that day. But a year and a half later, we had stayed in touch and he asked me to move to Orlando and run the helicopter division of his company. And so I got to work for Jeff for three years. And that was really my first exposure to entrepreneurship. Uh, I, I'd, never, I'd never been around any entrepreneurs. I honestly, man, I don't even know if I knew what the word entrepreneur was until I was 23, 24 years old. So, um, so being around Jeff was huge for me, um, working for him for three years, getting to travel, doing, you know, the sexiest job ever, right? Like who gets to say they do helicopter logistics for NASCAR? I don't care anything about NASCAR, but so, it's so random, so yeah, random, super random and super fun. I mean, I got to, yeah. I, I got to go to Whataburger with John Cena at the 2010 Super Bowl. Like, I mean, just random stuff. Um, Jeff Gordon drove me from Orlando to Daytona beach one night. Um, I mean, that's that, so, so crazy, crazy stories and super fun experiences. But the cool. thing that really shaped my professional journey coming out of that was seeing Jeff operate a business and, and seeing that his, you know, his business, um, was about the size that our business is today. And to me at that time, it was, you know, it was providing for my livelihood. You know, we, we pay folks on our team more more than, you know, what I was making at, at this company. And so it's, it's been a really cool progression to see like, you know, what my experience was working in his business and now getting to have my own that provides, you know, uh, hopefully a great experience for our employees as well. And, uh, and so that really gave me the confidence and seeing like, Hey, I can, I could do this. Like I could pursue the path of, of owning my own thing. And so, uh, I ended up leaving his business, did a couple corporate things uh, just because it's hard to take the leap worked for a nonprofit for a second worked uh, started my own thing uh, started a software company and, uh, and and so dabbled a little bit and finally got to the point where I'd gotten engaged uh, to my now wife and congratulations oh, thank you thank you a few weeks after I got engaged uh, I found out that my tech job that I was doing some marketing and some UI stuff for uh, they, their funding dried up. They had to let me go. And so I found myself in this spot where I'm like, I'm going to get married in, you know, nine, 10 months. I, if, I like, I'm either going to go and find another job or I'm going to start my own thing. And I knew at that point I was really passionate about freedom of time and knowing that I wanted to be able to do whatever I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. Um, and I knew that wasn't going to be easy, but, uh, that was something that I highly valued. And so I decided, you know what, I've, I've been dancing around with this entrepreneurship thing, building the app that we built and doing some other things. Uh, and so I just pulled the trigger and started it. And because I was doing content marketing for the tech company that I was just at, I thought, man, this is a great place to start. I'll see if I've got some friends that have businesses that we can write blog content for. And that's how Sweetfish was born. So it was, uh, it was really out of a, out of a place of, you know, I, I don't want to wake up seven years from now, have a, you know, be married with a bunch of kids and feel tied to a job that I don't really love that yeah. I don't ultimately have control over. Right. Um, and, uh, and so that was, that was the start of my journey. Really cool. And flash forward back to, to now and, and your, your podcast agency. One question I have for you is why 
did you specialize in podcasting as opposed to just being like a general media company where you do everything for whatever your clients needed? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the theme of your show, right? Finding your niche. Um, I, I think, uh, I, to me, I mean, that saying rich, there are riches in the niches, um, is, is really powerful. And, uh, I, I think you, to stand out, uh, people have to know you for something and it's basically impossible, uh, to be known by a lot of people as being, you know, the, the marketing agency because right. there's, there's so many of them. And so to differentiate, uh, really, I mean, we had figured out content-based networking at this point and I knew that, you know, for those that aren't familiar with the term, uh, it's, uh, content-based networking is essentially using content collaboration to reverse engineer relationships with people. So like if I want to know somebody, if I have a podcast or if I have any sort of media, like whether it's a YouTube series or a series of blog articles or whatever, I can reach out to whoever I want to know, interview them for that series. And now all of a sudden I know that person. I didn't have to depend on serendipity, like the serendipity I had to rely on to meet Jeff at that sweepstakes. Right. I could instead just go and interview anybody that I want to talk to. And there's a high probability that they'll say yes to me because I'm not saying, Hey, I want to sell you something or, Hey, I want to pick your brain over coffee. I'm saying, Hey, I want to feature you on my show. And so we had already discovered the power of that. And so starting a podcast agency, made a lot of sense for us because I had personally seen incredible results from it. And the use case of, uh, of building relationships to me made the most sense in the B2B space where a single relationship can literally mean tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars for an organization. And so I knew that this strategy of helping companies build strategic relationships with their ideal buyers, with their strategic referral partners, people that can drive revenue for their organization. If I could bring them a strategy and say, Hey, if you do this, it will work. If you do a show for a year and do 52 episodes, two or three of those relationships are likely going to turn into revenue if you nurture those relationships well. And that equates to hundreds of thousands of dollars for your business based on, you know, how you've priced your services or your product. Um, and it's, it's a, you know, I, I don't want to say it's an easy sell because certainly a lot no. of people will say no to it, but, right. uh, but the, but it's, uh, it's definitely something that we've, that we had, that we got traction with and, and were able to run with. So that was, that was a little bit more of the context around why we specifically niched into B2B podcasts for B2B brands, because it was yeah. a strategy we knew worked for a market that we knew could get great, uh, great benefit from it. Interesting. And the other thing that I noticed, like when I first took a look at Swedfish. Um, I saw you, you labeled yourselves as a, a podcast agency yeah. and I was like, well, what's, what is a podcast agency? And so I looked, I looked it up and there's not many other podcast agencies out there. Like the only yeah. one that comes up is Sweetfish. Yeah. And so from like an SEO perspective and, and just uh, a, a niche perspective, if you will, uh, it's, it's beautiful. Like it, there's, yeah. there's tons of media companies um, nobody knows exactly what all of them do. They, they all say that we do a um, hundred different things because, well, they probably can if they want to. Um, but it, I, I've just, I found it super interesting that you went um, really focused. And, and it's on, funny on you mentioned that because there was a guest that I had early on uh, on the show that actually referred to us that way. She was like, oh, so you guys are a podcast agency. 
And, and I was like, oh, that's how people describe it. So that phrase didn't even come from me. It came from the mind of somebody that I was trying to do business with and it made a lot of sense. And so, uh, so that's, you know, it, we, we ended up going with it, but, but yeah, I do think it's, it's definitely differentiated. And, uh, and I, I think a lot of people actually find us through searching for us that way. Cool. Cool. Well, one, one share story I do want to share with you about content-based networking uh, is pretty similar to the first story that you shared with me. So um, to give everybody else context, the first story you shared with me is about a kid. I think his name's Jacob, um, and he wanted to be a college football coach. Yep. Right? So you told him, if you want to be a coach, you got to know coaches. And so he started a podcast, and theoretically, you have on 100 coaches, you build a relationship with probably, I don't know, 20 of them, 30 of them yep. that, that actually turn into decent relationships. And then hopefully you'll get a job um, at some point as a college coach somewhere when they're looking yep. for somebody. Um, I got off the phone with you and 10 minutes later, I called my friend who wants to be a sports agent. I'm like, Brady, dude, <laughs> dude you got to do this. Like you, you literally stop whatever you're doing right now like he so to give a little kind of he's a student at the university of minnesota he's not an athlete doesn't play college football and he wants to be an agent it's a pretty hard ask yeah um, very difficult thing to do yeah and it's it's a really tough industry to break into and i'm like dude if you want to do this like this, this is, is how you do it yeah <laughs> this is yeah. how you do it so flash forward uh, a few weeks ago and he just he just launched his podcast and he's yes. calling it the art of agency so he's gonna interview agents um, and, and have them on and, and with the hopes of somewhere down the line, he'll be able to build a relationship with a handful of them and, and get a job at an agency. Get on as an intern. And then like, I mean, it, yeah. it's at Once some point, in, like it's game over. Once you yeah, get like, in, it's game over. I, I was, I was talking about this with a buddy of mine the other day, like, you know, cause our, our mission at Sweetfish is we want to we want to inspire people to own their career because 90,000 hours of your life shouldn't suck. So the average person spends 90,000 hours of their life at work, but 87% of Americans according to a study from Deloitte, 87% of Americans have no passion for the work they do. And that to me is heartbreaking because I wake up every day and I love doing the work that I get to do every day. I love the team I get to work with and the work we get to do and the impact we get to have. And so to me like getting the most out of your 90,000 hours and not just showing up for a paycheck is really important to me. And, and I can't imagine, like it's, it legitimately is heartbreaking to think that people are not uh, at least on the path toward loving their 90,000 hours. Right. And so I was talking with my buddy over lunch the other day and I was like, what is it? What are the, what are the things that actually map to you doing work that you love? And I boiled it down to three things and it's relationships. So what, what your boy's doing with his podcast to meet other agents, like those are going to be the relationships, but that's just the catalyst. The second and third thing, uh, one is education and not education in the traditional sense. I actually kind of poo poo on college. I went to I college, but you too, even though I'm in it, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I, but I think education, you know, proactive education by doing and podcasts, YouTube, like, so educating yourself, boning up on, uh, what your industry challenges are, how they've overcome those challenges, what lingo they use, um, and then the third is ownership. So, uh, so between relationships, 
education and ownership, like being proactive, actually caring about the result that you're driving, whether you're an intern getting coffee or you're doing something else. Um, regardless of what that is, I think having ownership in it and really being passionate about getting an incredible result, regardless of what task you're performing. Um, I think those three things are ultimately what map to it, but the relationship is the spark. And I don't think that people realize that like life is about who you know, not what you know. And, uh, and, and so I, I absolutely think if you're, if your buddy hustles and he's good on the back end, right? Like he can get in as an intern at a, at a you know, at Vayner sports or, you know, another right. sports agency, but like right. if he sucks, once he's in, you know, he's not, he's not going to go very far. So you right. got to be good. You got to have ownership and you got to, you know, you got to constantly be educating yourself. But you um, got to get in first, but you got to get in first <laughs> and, and the relationship is the spark to it. So I, I just love that we've built a business that literally allows people to build those kind of relationships. Yeah. And I, I want to pause on this. I, this is something that's, that's really fascinating to me because the, the starting point of the relationship is, is really simple. If you want to get somebody on your podcast, go on LinkedIn, look up, we'll use Brady as an example for, for his agency podcast, look up sports agent or agents uh, yep. or, or player representative and reach out to a thousand people. Mm -hmm. I don't know, a few hundred of them might say yes. And you have a few years of episodes yes. <laughs> start booking yes. people for 2022. Yep. Um, so that part, simple, you get them on the show. Yep. Um, the part that I think is more difficult that I'd love your input on is maintaining the relationship for the long run. Yep. Um, what I've found for me is like a lot of the, a lot of people I have on, like it's the, it's not like a, I don't fit person. I don't drive with them personally, like for the show. Yeah. Great. I, I can yeah. drive with them. But personally, it's like, that, that's not somebody to spend like a thousand hours with just hanging yeah. out with them. Um, but I'd love your input on like, how do you build a long-term relationship with anybody that you end up having on your show? Yeah. So I think that we actually just did a, uh, we're doing a course on B2B podcasting. We were talking about this yesterday for part of the course. I think Perfect. one of the first steps is building into your either pre-interview or interview process, like on the Calendly link that you send them to get, uh, to get them booked on your calendar have a spot on there that's a required field for their phone number, they're likely going to put in their cell phone number. So as soon as they book a time on your calendar, um, text them and text them something fun like, you know, hey, so-and-so, super pumped to have you on the show and then put a, like a fun GIF in there. Um, and that will instantly get you into a mode of communication with them where they don't talk to very many other people professionally, right? Like they're talking to their spouse, they're talking to friends. Um, but if you, if you text them and like, Hey, saw that you just signed up super pumped to have you on the show. Uh, can't wait. And then you put some like, you know, the, the Seth Rogen, uh, this emoji or not yeah. Seth Rogen. I yeah. forget the guy's name. Um, but, uh, uh, that th doing something like that, all of a sudden, like it establishes kind of a fun and and really like human rapport with someone instead of making them think that it's going to be this stuffy experience uh, where they've got to be all buttoned up and like sound professional. 
And, yeah. and we're, I'm and, wearing a sweatshirt, you're wearing a t-shirt, yeah. so I hope this doesn't seem <laughs> stuffy yeah. to you. So, so that, so like, uh, but a lot of people that have never been on a podcast before, they, they don't know what to expect. Yeah. And so you can help set that expectation, but it also is the groundwork for friendship. I think mo- you know, you text your friends. And so getting, getting that phone number, if for whatever reason you don't give them a Calendly link or, you know, you, you, cause I think best practice is not to just give them your Calendly link, but to say like, Hey, I'd love to have you on the show. Like, do you have a link? If you don't, here's mine and, and we can use this. Um, so you want to make sure that they feel like they're not doing, you know, they already think they're doing you a favor by being on the show. So you want to make it as easy as possible for them. And, uh, and so getting the phone number, whether it be on the form or just saying like, Hey, what's the, what's the best phone number for me to call you at for our pre-interview, like the 15 minutes before where you can help figure out what their point of view is on whatever it is they're going to be talking about. And then from once you have that phone number, it, it gets pretty easy because now you've got a direct line of communication. The other thing that I'll talk about is an app called Fabric, F-A-B-R-I-Q. I try to load up everybody that I want to stay in close contact with into Fabrique. And what Fabrique does, you put in the app, like I want to stay in touch with this person every month or every three months or every six months. So depending on, you know, what you think that cadence needs to be for you, you put them in. I think you can put up to 150 people in the app and it's really a personal CRM. And so I would put in, you know, Jake, And then I want to stay in touch with Jake every three months. So the app gives me a notification every three months, like, hey, you haven't talked to Jake in a while. Um, I can also put in Jake's birthday. I could put in Jake's favorite candy. I could put in, you know, I I don't think you're married, but like I could put in your spouse, your anniversary, your kids' names, your kids' birthdays. So you can really store a lot of data inside this app on people. And then whenever you see that, like, you know, say, say you mentioned that it's your wife's birthday or whatever Uh, a year later I wouldn't typically know that but I noted in Fabrique and a year later I've now reaching out like hey saw it's your wife's birthday hope hope you guys are you know planning on doing something awesome and so that's one way so getting their phone number Fabrique and then the other thing I'll talk about is a book that my friend John Rulin wrote called Giftology and this book is a game changer because so many companies uh, they do gifting all around themselves. So they put their logo on the golf balls that they send to potential clients. They they slap their logo on the hat that they send somebody. Um, and yeah. they're really it's just like a branding flag. play. It's, yeah. it's what? They use it as like a branding play. To yeah, bring they use it as a branding house. opportunity. Instead, think of unique things you can do. So this thing, I keep this on my desk. And for those of you that are just listening and not watching, you won't be able to see it, but it's just this little square cardboard thing. Um, I don't know, five by seven, maybe three dimensional thing. And it's got a quote from the episode, something that I said from, from uh, Samantha's episode that I did with her on her show. She's got her little podcast logo in the corner. She's got my name in the bottom right corner. And then it's just a quote. It's something I said. But because it's something I said and it's got my name on it, I keep that thing on my desk. I think about Samantha all the time because of that gift. So reverse, reverse engineer, like if you want to be top of mind to someone, 
think of what they would want to keep on their desk. What they, what would they want to keep on their kitchen counter? John in his book talks a lot about Cutco knives. He gets a Cutco knife set for a lot of people. And instead of putting the ruling group, his company name on the knives, he puts the family name on the knife. Um, we've sent bobbleheads to people. We've sent custom letterman jackets to people. Um, but the thing is, it's about them, not us. Um, we just uh, we just had a customer that did their hundredth episode with us, and so we sent them this like really cool tile that was their podcast logo, and uh, and it was and it was awesome. Um, do you hear that on your end? I do. There's. It sounds like you're playing the piano. <laughs> I, I have it randomly happens, and I don't know what the heck it is. It it'll stop in like. 10 seconds, but I have no freaking clue. I'm like not seeing anything on my computer right now that would make me think that. There it goes. All right. It finally shut up. Um, anyway. Um, so yeah, gifting, gifting around them instead of making your gift about you is another really nice touch that uh that i think makes people think about you in a very positive way um and helps you nurture relationships even for those folks that you're not necessarily wanting to spend a thousand hours of your life with um but uh but you can stay top of mind the other thing i will say is doing another content collaboration with them so if you did a podcast with them before do another episode with them on another topic that maybe you thought was really interesting that they touched on do a blog article with them do a series of instagram posts with them uh do some original research where you feature some of their wisdom in the original research that you're doing so get creative think of a another type of content you could do maybe you do a top 100 list where you feature you know a hundred insights that you got from your podcast in the first six months feature them in that get on another call to have them add you know some color to what the you know what the insight was that you pulled from their original episode and then that that second time you talk to somebody we found is really magical so if you can do a pre-interview yeah yeah we we talked a few months ago but like right when you hopped on i felt like i had known you well i felt like i'd known you for a few months it's different right like and and so so we've we've started preaching this a lot to our customers like at any time you can, which this is tougher to do when you're interviewing like quote unquote thought leaders or, or people that do a lot of interviews um, because they're like, Hey, I know what I'm going to say. We don't need a pre-interview, but most people don't feel that way. Most people, if you're interviewing practitioners that can really move the needle for they're either a hiring manager or they're somebody that like, you just need to know strategically. Um, they are likely not getting asked to be on podcasts. So asking them to do a pre-interview for 15 minutes just jumping on the phone and talking through like figuring out what their unique point of view is, um, is not out of the blue and it's not like they will actually appreciate you for it. And what it does is it allows you to get that kind of awkward introduction like out of the way. So whenever you do the recording, you've got that, you've got that second meeting and the friendship is really established at that point. Mm -hmm. I know we're, we're coming up on, on time in a few minutes here. So, the one question I did want to ask you um, is about like your your purpose and, and why you're in the business you're doing as that relates to your faith. So I know you're a very faith-driven person. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about how that plays into your daily life. Yeah. So um, I've been a Christian since I was 15. And as, as I read the Bible, it just seems very clear to me that um, 
God wants us to love him and he wants us to love people. And if we can nail those two things, we got a big chunk of this thing right. And uh, and so I, I've tried to build, uh, you know, our number one core value is to love people well. Kind of my, my mission in life is to, uh, is to inspire and enable folks to love the people in their lives better. And, and so I spend a lot of my days trying to think, how can I love people? Um, how can I encourage them? How can I give them opportunities? Uh, how can I come alongside them and support them? Um, how can I be a, a good friend to people? Um, because I want to love them really well. I tend to kind of go for the big things and like, I want to buy people houses and I, I want to do like extravagant things. My wife is exceptional at like knowing the, the nooks and crannies of people's lives. And like when their dog died doing, you know, doing something yeah. special for them. Um, and so the combo of us, it's been really cool to see how God has worked out the combination of and of her gifts and, and how God lights her up with how God lights me up. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think I get so many opportunities to do that as a business owner, um, just with, with our employees, with our partners, with, you know, vendors, um, with our customers. And so I look at everything through the lens of how can I love people well? And that's a hundred percent driven by my faith. Um, because I've, it, it's not, it's not for my health that I'm trying to love people. Well, um, it's because I feel like that's the model that God set that, uh, and that's what he said was important to him. Love me and love people. And fortunately, I think when you do that, a lot of good things happen when you, right. when you're focused on loving people, well, um, uh, people trust you. People want to do business with you. People want to work for you. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a very tangible way that my faith has, has impacted, uh, the business that we've built. Incredible. Incredible. All right, James, last question I have for you. Um, what, what's the one thing out there that marketing teams are not doing that they should be doing right now? And this might be a very easily answered question for you given the discussion we just had. Yeah, so if you're, if you're in the B2B space, if you sell to other businesses, and I don't even wanna, you know, it would be too easy to say you should have a podcast. If you don't have some sort of, some media property, it doesn't have to be a podcast. It could be a series of, you know, it could be a, a blog where you interview other people. It could be a YouTube series where you do video interviews with other people. If you don't have some sort of content channel that you are using to interview your ideal customers, referral partners, uh, influencers in the space that would, you know, behoove your brand to have a relationship with, um, you're missing out on massive opportunities. Something we've recently started doing with our podcast is we've started asking 12 original research questions either before or right after the interview. And it's a separately recorded thing. And that original research, we're going to ask, you know, I think we've got 30 or 35 responses to those original research questions. Do what? You're going to make a book? No, it's not a book. <laughs> we're actually going to monetize it uh, as a separate product. So uh, we're going to try to get a lot of people to, to, to sign up to pay 300 bucks a year to access our original research because we're asking, you know, VPs of marketing and CMOs at mid-sized tech companies questions like what, 
what marketing channel is working for them, who's influencing them most, where do they spend time on social, those kinds of things. And that's really valuable data. So, uh, so we're creating kind of an information product with that original research as the base. So for us, it's diversifying our revenue, but it could be a book. Uh, it could be, you know, top of funnel content where we use it to just collect people's email addresses and say, Hey, we asked a hundred VPs of marketing, what the most underrated marketing channel is. And this is what they said, run Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn ads against it and start building our email list that way. So there's so many things you can do with, with when you start doing some sort of interview based show, uh, there, there are some people that poo poo on the interview style because they're like, Oh, we don't need another interview show. But, uh, when you're doing it for the purpose of building strategic relationships, which is what our focus has been from day one, uh, I just don't think there's a better way to do it. And uh, when you see all of the content opportunities that you have on the back end of it, um, it just makes too much sense not to do it. Yep. All right. Wonderful. Thank you, awesome, Jan. Man. It's been my all pleasure right. today. Man, uh, this was super fun. I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you having me on here, Jake. If if anybody wants to connect, um, obviously check out the book. It's on Audible or Amazon. Content based mm-hmm. networking. Uh, you can search my name, James Carberry, C A R B R O Y, um, or shoot me an email, James at SweetfishMedia.com. I think that's how we originally connected, or maybe uh, I think LinkedIn or email. One of Something the two. like that. But yeah, one I'd love to things. connect with anybody that wants to connect. Right on. Well, thanks, James, for coming on, and I hope you have a great weekend. Awesome. You too, man. Hey, this is Jake. Uh, Thank you for listening to today's episode of Finding Your Niche. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, I hope you have a great rest of your week and I'll see you next time. Well, I won't actually see you, but you get the point. Have a great week.